Hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and this week I'm really pleased to be joined by Sean Steele from accountancy firm PwC. Sean will introduce herself fully when we go over to the interview, but she is head of UK Family Business and PwC, due to their size, are able to dedicate some resource to conducting research, which they do quite regularly. And the results of that research can be quite uh, interesting and eye-opening. And the recent survey results have been published, so I popped up to London and uh, spent some time with Sean talking through what these are. And I'm sure you will find them interesting. So without further ado, I will start the interview and just come back at the end with some conclusions and closing thoughts. So um, I'll just pass you over to me conducting the interview. Hello, I'm joined today by uh, Sean Steele from PwC. Um, I'll let Sean introduce herself in a second. Um, but today's podcast is going to be focused on the results and findings from a family business survey that PwC complete. Um, we're going to run through some of the sort of more interesting themes and findings within that uh, and what family businesses can learn from those um, results. So firstly, thank you for your time today, Sean. Uh, welcome to the Family Business Podcast. Um, Perhaps a good place to start would be to introduce yourself, tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and we can go from there. Fantastic. Thanks, Russell. Um, Thank you for inviting me to be here. Um, So, Sean Steele, I lead the um, family business team at PwC in the UK. Fantastic, fantastic role. I'm very privileged. Um, What that means is I look at all of the things we deliver into family businesses in the UK, but critically, I look at thought leadership and what are the issues facing family businesses, where else can we support them. Um, In my spare time, I'm also very privileged to sit on the Asia-Pacific Centre for Family Business Excellence. I'm I'm a board member for them. It means I get to spend time in the Asia region. I love it. It's a great contrast. They're at a really different stage of development, but a rich, rich theme of family businesses um, and and lots of of, um, great opportunities. Um, to meet real people so well, we might pick up on that later that's Happy an area that, that's really interesting yeah. to me um, so PwC conduct a UK they do a worldwide we do survey, a worldwide yes, um, global. also a, a UK based um, survey as well that's right yeah so we do um, so um, we have over 50 territories this year who took part um, and we interviewed over 2,800 people globally wow. um, what we do is we look at the we look at the global data, see what it's telling us, see the themes. Great to see some of the emerging markets or or things where they're doing something different. Mm. You know, to think about what we can learn from it. Um, we then cut the data for the UK and and look at um, actually what are the trends and what are the messages, um, which is which is fantastic. And I'm and I'm very fortunate to be involved throughout the process. Um, so I get to hear some of the interviews, hear, read some of the verbatim comments. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Okay, and it's across different generations of businesses as well, isn't it? It's Completely. not just a first gen or a fourth no, gen plus it, kind it, of. It's a really, really great mix of businesses, mixed by size, geography, um, 
the, the, the generational position they're in. Um, we, we generally speak to people from within the family, um, but we do have some non-family respondents. Um, so maybe somebody who, who's in a board position, perhaps you know, non-family chair. So it allows us also to look at whether that creates difference. Okay, excellent. Um, and were there any areas that cropped up or any findings in there that were particularly surprising or perhaps not surprising given your experience? Um, the bit that's not surprising um, and is always disappointing is the number of businesses who don't have a robust succession plan. Uh-huh. Um, so every year I really hope that it's going to be better <laughs> um, and for the UK we're still sitting at 13%, that's 1-3% wow. um, who have a robust documented plan. Um, when you when you look at the conversation around that, there's often ideas still in someone's head, mm-hmm. not shared, not on paper. That's not a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so disappointing, sadly unsurprising. Um, the bit the bits that the bits where we see change, or the bits maybe where you learn something new, or you're you're made to think in a different way. I would say digital. Mm. So actually. In, in all of our lives, it's transforming the way we do things. Yep. Um, when we did Next Gen Survey last year, there were some themes coming in there around frustration with the speed with which family businesses are adopting proper digital strategy. Okay. That's borne out in the results this mm-hmm. year. So, so, so and, 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 and interesting when you look at the correlation between digital and innovation. Mm. So... Um, you see businesses saying, yeah, we know that we need to have a digital strategy. I, I'm not sure all of them really know what that means mm. and what it needs to do. So there's anecdotal information about um, it coming onto board agendas. It doesn't yet appear to be a regular board item for right. most family businesses. Um, and yet they know they need to innovate. Mm. So I think there's this conflict between... Um, where do we see ourselves selling? What are we going to be doing? Where's our market going to be going forward? Um, combi- combined with a, we know that we need to innovate to survive. We know we need skills. And then a, we're not quite sure what to do about digital. Mm-hmm. When you put all of those pieces together, I think I think this is what really pulls out the thread around a missing strategy. So right. there's, the, there's the kind of, we can deal with, with what's right under our nose today. Mm-hmm. And we know that we want to be here for long term. But how are we managing the challenges we're facing? How are we really thinking about um, growth and um, survival and entrepreneurship and new things? How do we build that into our medium-term thinking? Okay. Um, looks like it's an area that still needs a bit of mm. a bit of work. And do you think the the pace of change in the digital arena it, it doesn't help in? Um, in an area where there's, there tends to be possibly a slightly more caution and slightly more, um, it, dare we say, older generations operating the business who digital might be a completely foreign concept to them. Yeah. And the, the pace of that change is it's not a gradual change that's come over the last 15 years. It's been quite a, an extreme sort of yeah. now it's very much um, changing. I, I think it is. I think you're right. I mean, it's interesting because you do see, you do see sectors where you get lots of family businesses. And so some of the impact of digital will depend a bit on which sector you're mm-hmm. in. Um, and so, I, so I, think, I think that's just an important point to think about. But if you, 
If you ask me what one thing did I think is holding it back, I, I actually think it's skill at the board in the boardroom. Right, okay. Um, and the reason I say that is if you if you looked at, at what's different about a family business than maybe a large an, another large corporate or a um, a listed company, the interaction between the board and the shareholders, the questions, the frequency of rotation of skills, um, just just the kind of um, requirement to keep constantly challenging the business and challenging the board and making sure that everything new has been thought about mm. within a more formal environment mm-hmm. I don't think we see replicated very right. often so so I think I think that is a challenge and I think without somebody coming in at board level and saying we really need to have this on the agenda every time yeah. and I'm going to be the person that nags every time yeah. and really um, make sure that we have a strategy or or maybe it's that piece around are we prepared to actually bring the skill in mm. you know, so do we know I was talking to, to a business today actually about um, we were talking about data so we were talking about um, the complexity of the business and some of the challenges that's giving them but talking about um, how, how private the family are and, and therefore their approach to where their data should be stored and right. this kind of piece around is the cloud really safe you mm-hmm. know so do we really get it you know do we really get it and and actually I think in a more formal board environment um, cybersecurity and um, making sure that you understand how secure you are today what's an appropriate risk strategy and what you need to do to 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 you know reach the protocols that you set for yourself mm-hmm. I think that would be standard practice I I just I feel that that challenge is probably the piece that's holding everyone back. Mm. And it's difficult to know where to start sometimes, isn't it, in, in that sense? Because it's you can assess where you are today or yeah. where you might want to be in 15, 20 years' time. Exactly. But I think the survey picks up on the point that it's, it's almost it's, a bit it's in between the bit in the that's middle, missing. missing middle, absolutely. No, it, it really is. I mean, the... Um, the, the, the agility with which family businesses can respond to an instant challenge is incredible. You know, mm. the the the, um, the size and the number of stakeholders and shareholders they're dealing with often will be much smaller, but the communication channels will be um, really well trodden. They'll have been doing it mm-hmm. for years. They know how to text each other or pick up the phone. They answer the phone to each other. Yeah. You know, all of those bits are really, really easy. Um, but this piece around actually... Um, really strategically thinking through um, where where they're going to get to, reflecting on what they've learned, thinking about the new markets. It's just a bit missing. And actually, if you look at the trends in the survey over the last um, the, the last last three editions, um, what what you see that's disappointing is that the ambition for fast and significant growth mm. is totally there. You know, right. As a group, family businesses are really, really ambitious. Mm. Um, and, and when you then look at how much of it they achieve, they never quite hit the level of ambition. Right. Now, to be fair, we've been through a global recession. Yep. If you looked at any type of businesses, yep. there might be some of that. But, but you do feel that possibly this lack of strategic thinking... Um, it isn't getting there, and I think it. I think it really links in with the succession point. Mm-hmm. You know, in in any normal business, you would manage your talent. You know, you would know who your key personnel are. Yep. You would know where the gaps are going to be. You wouldn't normally expect them to be there forever. Mm. 
you would expect them to learn different things and then to take that experience and maybe move into another role, move into another business. But there would be a, there would be an expectation of constant evolution of your management team mm-hmm. or your board and you would plan for it, mm. actually. So you'd plan for the markets, you'd plan around your clients, you'd plan around the board and the leadership. And actually, um, if, if, if family businesses thought that way about it then some of the pieces around succession plan Mm. and this missing middle strategic piece I think would slot into place Uh, I agree and I think some of it comes down as well to um, the governance structures that are in place within the businesses and the Mm. survey picked up on uh, the phrase professionalising the the business so so taking it from husband and wife in business together and having an agreement Mm. that they talk to each other over the kitchen table and it grows and kids and and possibly cousins and and whatever come into the business. And and sometimes the the professionalisation, if you like, is put to one side because you're working with family. And do do you see that as having an impact as well? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that um, it's a a great question. There's two two pieces here. Um, So... So governance, I think, is a really positive um, force. Um, I think that however much we like to break rules, most of us are actually more comfortable with a framework. Mm-hmm. And the framework, the framework provides um, the, the, you know, the boundaries, really, the boundaries of what's okay and what's not okay. And most people um, perform best when they when they know where the electric fence is, mm-hmm. if you like. They don't spend their whole time keep going and trying to find it. Yeah. So, so, I, so I think just as a starting point, it, it's a really good thing to have. Uh-huh. And I think that I think that you never know whether or not you need the governance until you need it. Mm. And actually, it's very often the piece that's there when something unexpected happens. Um, you know, sudden death or, or illness or something that completely changes the ethos around the business. So I, I think it is really, really important. Mm. But if you but if you take that one step further, actually what's really important is that um, that the that the governance supports the strategy, but it has to be strategy for the business and a strategy for the family. If you don't have a strategy for both those things, all those two things are uh, misaligned, mm-hmm. actually the business is never going to be able to perform. And I had a cracking story from somebody um, recently who, who's a um, chief exec in a business that's a cousin consortium. He has three sisters. Um, they're getting ready for the AGM. He really wants to engage them. He really wants them to be getting what they want from it. Mm-hmm. And so in the bar the night before, he sort of says to them, well, you know, can you write down on a post-it note for me, you know, what you really want from me in, in this role and what you're doing? You know, and it won't surprise you, but what they each report responded was completely different. Uh-huh. But, you know, it was along the lines of reinvest all the money. We need jobs for all the children. Uh-huh take all the money out, we need the money for school <laughs> fees. And no, it's fine as it is. You know, yeah. and, and I've never heard a better example of how difficult it could be to run a business where your shareholders don't agree on what they want. So so the governance provides the the framework to have the discussion about how you how you unpick that disagreement mm-hmm. if you like or, yeah. or where the power lies mm-hmm. or how you get through the conflict or how you um, support the board, even if it's not what you personally need. So mm-hmm. for me, really, really important. Absolutely, there'll be points for every business where it's tested. 
but it's but it's crucial, particularly where you have any kind of misalignment between mm. owner and business strategy. Yeah. And I think one of the um, common um, phrases we come up against when we suggest a, a review of governance or to, to look at governance is that governance is seen as a burden and it's, it's putting the shackles on the yeah. business. Whereas it, in reality, if it's something that that's, there's a lot of time and care and attention paid to it, can be the enabler for the business to, to move on to that next stage. Totally. And it's, it's overcoming that issue that somebody's going to walk through the door and say, right, this is what you need. It's off the shelf and you must abide by these rules because yeah. that's, that's what we tell you. And appreciate that it can be a collaborative process. Totally. And it's, it, can, it should be driven by the family rather than being driven by the person necessarily putting the, the, the governance I in. I totally agree. I think um, there isn't a formula to produce it. And there isn't a formula because no family and no family business are the same. Mm-hmm. And so anything, anything that anything that you know purports to be a solution um, that works for everybody, you know, that, that there's some there's some naughtiness in there because it's actually it's actually not doable. Mm-hmm. And I and I think the risk the risk for businesses that don't invest the time and effort into getting it right, but buy an off the shelf solution is that what they're really doing is ticking something on their list to say, mm. yes, I've got one of those now. Yep. Um, if, if it then never comes out of the drawer, never shared, never looked at, it, it is as good as useless. You may as well use it for lighting the fire or, yep. or stopping the door because mm-hmm. it, it isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Actually, what ends up being written down in terms of governance about the way you run the business is almost secondary to the fact that you've discussed it. Mm. So for most for most families, actually, and, 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 and boards with non-family members where they're involved, the process of actually stopping and saying, why do we do this together? Mm. Actually, how do we how do we feel about in-laws? You know, do we really always need to have a family member on the board? Mm-hmm. Really, 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 really important discussion and properly facilitated, broken down into manageable manageable pieces, mm-hmm. that can be incredibly an incredibly positive process. Mm. Um, I've learnt, learnt two things around these kind of discussions in my career. One is that whenever I'm dealing with a husband and wife, they will always tell you that they agree mm-hmm. and they and they never do. Right. And, and, and the second is that exactly the same thing applies with family groups. What what you what you share mostly, and what you find that families and, and, and couples share is a is a shared value set. Mm-hmm. So so really 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 important that the things that really matter to you also matter to that person or people. Yep. So so there's always always a shared value set in a harmonious in a harmonious situation. There's usually a similar level of aspiration. So actually. The um, you know family businesses where things are working well and and everything is harmonious. There's almost always this shared ambition that could be and you know the ambition could be different on a family by family basis, mm-hmm. but it will be shared by that group of people. Mm-hmm. A- any situation where there's not a shared level of ambition, there's no shared purpose, or worse still, no shared value set. That's when the wheels fall off. And actually, in that kind of scenario, sometimes what the governance needs to be able to do is to tell you that it's time to call it a day. Mm. Um, and, and I think particularly when you get um, 
where you get into the multi-generational situation and you've got lots of different influences, you spend less time together, you know, you've got different different mixes of people, quite often different geographies. Mm. You know, you may have people living all parts of the world. Yep. Having a shared value set, a shared ambition, a shared purpose is then increasingly difficult. Um, and, and that's the point at which you're really going to rely mm. on all the governance work that you've done. Yeah. And that, as you say, feeds directly through into succession and potential succession planning. Because it can, through those conversations, you you can start to um, address the expectations of all those involved. So if there's an expectation that um, the next generation can bring their spouses into the business, for example, and founder or patriarch is sat there thinking... No, no, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> it gets those aired, it and does. The, the importance of having those conversations in a safe environment. Mm. You're with family, which is can be a good thing and a bad mm. thing because you're less likely to hold back than if you're with non-family, and, and that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, but having those conversations and setting those expectations early means that you can start to consider what that future might look like. I totally agree. It's never too early to start. And it's interesting because I would say um, at the moment, actually, there's lots of businesses I see where the discussion about whether whether and when the next generation will come into the business doesn't happen because the current generation don't want to burden them, they don't want to be presumptuous, they want to make sure that their that their offspring have an opportunity to find their own feet and find their way. My concern is that that's probably that probably leaves them as much in the dark as it did in the old days mm-hmm. when there was no discussion about what else they might do and there was always a presumption they would come into the business. So mm-hmm. it, it 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 comes back a little bit to if you if you simply have um, a, a, a governance bible, whatever you like to call it, but you stick it in the drawer as a tick box exercise, actually it's no good to anybody. Mm. You have to there has to be a dialogue about why that's the guidelines that you've agreed as a family and how it applies to people. Mm. So if if as a if as somebody coming through university, you know that, or maybe coming through 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 your lower level of education, you know that um, there's an expectation that you'll go and gain skill outside the business. Your career choices, your education choices mm-hmm. may be completely different than if you know that whatever you do, the expectation is that you're going to learn learn the job. Um, coming through the ranks and you're going to have to start at the bottom and and the way that people will will uh, adapt to those different situations um you know will, will frame what happens for the rest of their career so mm. absolutely open open dialogue so get the rules agreed have the rules of engagement the guidelines but they have to be shared and earlier yep. is, is, is preferable mm. and do you see any um difference more so i guess in your your day-to-day work of the, the stages that businesses are at in terms of generational transition for the, um, the, the, the existence of a succession plan, i.e. first yeah. generation businesses it, hardly existent at all, but when you get to third and fourth generation, they become more common, or is that a, a misconception? Um, I mean, it, it, broad, broad, broadly, I would say... Um, it's very hard for a first generation because because they're first to do it. Mm. So it sounds really obvious, but um, they may not think about themselves as being a family business. Mm-hmm. So so actually, what do they think they are? Entrepreneurs. 
Yeah. Yeah. So when they start on that journey, they're, they're not going to be interacting with other family businesses mm-hmm. and learning from them and sort of sponge, sponge absorbing all of that, all of that information about mm-hmm. how it needs to be. Um, and so there's, so there's a bit of a, there's a bit of an expectation and um, education gap, I think, for mm. many of them. I think probably um, getting them to the point where they start to think about their legacy mm. and and whether or not they want to think about their legacy will determine um, whether or not they then go through a proper succession plan. So I would say that most successful entrepreneurs, which this generation one really are, get to a point where they will have a view on whether they want the life to be easy for their offspring or if they want them to you know learn and, and have a bit of fire in their belly mm-hmm. you know whether they want to whether they want to hand on wealth to the next generation or whether they want to safeguard it whether they want to be philanthropic all of those pieces mm-hmm. and I think that um, actually those kind of emotional sentiments will drive a succession plan what I can tell you though is in our experience, if they haven't started talking about it by the time they're 60, they never do one. There there really is that. um, People who begin to think about it in the kind of maybe 55 to 65, but that sort of standard retirement age type um, group Mm. where the people around them and their friends and family will will also be thinking about what they're going to do when they stop working. Mm. If they don't tackle it at that point, they won't tackle it. Um, the people who, the people who do it best, review it most often, and um, take it most seriously. In my experience, are the ones where something's gone wrong before yeah. actually. So yeah. I think that real, that real sort of um, maybe resentment, hurt, but some some emotional response to it not having been brilliant for mm. them yeah. will drive them to do it better mm-hmm. for their offspring. Yeah. Um, in in our in, in my day job, I'm a financial planner, so we we work with people in trying to create um, a form of financial and emotional independence away from the yeah. business. Because we we find people because of the entre- entrepreneurial mindset, it, it's not the same as being a civil servant going in nine to five and then you know you get your cl- carriage yeah. clock at sixty five and you don't have to worry about going back in. That there's something different in in the entrepreneur's mind that needs that that stimulation needs that sense of purpose and they need to know what they're going to do absolutely it's a really daunting prospect for somebody who's slogged so hard to Mm -hmm. build something to then think as at this date i'll give up so it's easier not to to do anything and it's it's how it's how it's what they identify with and and um and what um what the world sees of them Mm. maybe the business of a person in some cases becomes so inextricably Things, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's really really hard. It becomes their identity, it doesn't does. it? And, yeah. and uh, who they are in the world, and almost their role in the family yeah. as well is defined by the role they play within the business. I and totally agree. It, it's trying to get a detachment from that to focus because yeah. we're we're firm believers that time is our most valuable resource, and you you can't come back next time and think I'll do things differently. No. Um, but as you say, it's a pain point or ill health or uh, unfortunately death that seems to drive yeah. these decisions. And Absolutely. it's something that's got to happen. Yes, it is. The succession yeah. of the business will happen at yeah. some point. So so being in control of that is mm. presumably far better mm. than not being in control of that. 
And I think um, I was talking to um, Paul Hennessy, who's partner in um, our firm in Ireland, who actually originally um, was the brainchild behind our, our research. Mm-hmm. And he always says to me, if you talk about business continuity, it's fine to talk about it. If you ask them to talk about succession, it's off the agenda. Right. And it's in- <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it, how important the language that mm. we use and the context. Yeah. So if it's business continuity, it's, it feels more about... How am I going to look after my workforce and my customers mm-hmm. and make sure that everything is good? And if it's about succession, it's the choosing which of my children is favourite. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a really, it's a, it emotionally feels very different. Mm. Yeah, very much so. And not something that's very easily overcome no. either. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to do more about it. Yes. Um, we see um, sometimes where businesses are either overly cautious or overly ambitious yeah. with their succession planning is there a a tip you would provide to people to as to how to get that balance right um it is different for every family i've seen a really interesting example recently where the current generation have given it to the next gen and asked them to solve the conundrum so interesting approach Mm. um the start early is really really important Mm. um the Talking about it, not ignoring it, hoping it feels less burdensome is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but setting setting regular times to revisit it, I think, is also really crucial. Because in reality, if you say to somebody when they're 18, do you want to come into the family business? Mm-hmm. They may well, well say no. If you ask them when they're 25 and they've learned some skill, they might well be thinking, yeah, do you know, I could see myself doing that. But if at 30 they find that they have a glittering career in the area that they've chosen to be in, Mm. it it may be too late, actually. So if you don't keep going back and revisiting it, Mm. then there's still no choice. So I think constant revisiting, never too early to start, and absolutely open dialogue Mm. is critical. Excellent. Okay, um, and you mentioned in your introduction that you have the um, uh, opportunity to visit um, the Far East and Asia. Absolutely. How are are there distinct di- differences due to, and is that down to culture or is that down to the the age of kind of um, the the study of family businesses in in that part of the world? So. Um so I've been going out to the region for a few years now. I've been, I've been to Singapore several times and Hong Kong several times. I've also spent time in China. And this year, for the first time, I went to Indonesia and, wow. and Vietnam. And um, the thing that, the, the, re- the reason I say that um, is that they're all really different. Mm. So um, I think that, I think that we, we have a bad habit of kind of bagging it all together. And, and actually both culturally, um, but in terms of the, the economic cycle, where they are at in the evolution, but also their history mm-hmm. um, has a massive, massive impact. So if you look at territories in Southeast Asia, where maybe in the 70s there was significant war and conflict, mm-hmm. what you find is um, gaps in generations actually right. you know so so when you when you think about it obviously there would be mm. but gaps in generations can mm. massively impact dynamics yeah. and massively impact um survival mm-hmm. entrepreneurship is often driven by a need to survive yep. yeah so lots of really really fascinating entrepreneurial businesses mm. you've got parts of asia where there's been a culture around uh, male children mm-hmm. taking a more dominant role other parts of 
of Asia, that's that's not the case at all. Actually, it's very much a who has the best skill. Right. Um, you obviously have um, parts of Asia where there's been population control, um, which on the face of it would mean that this is all really straightforward. A- actually, I don't think it is. Mm. The thing the thing that I would say is that um, generally the the sophistication of the dialogue and the professionalisation around looking at owner strategy and business strategy um, is not as advanced as it is either in the UK, the US or places like Germany mm-hmm. um, where they've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. The appetite, um, to the thirst for education and the desire to know um, what they don't know and mm-hmm. what they should know and how they're going to really um, make a difference with it is absolutely incredible. Mm. It's it's one of the most you know one of the most exciting parts of what I do every day. Okay. But huge, huge thirst for learning, mm. um, and I and I hope very much that we as a firm are going to do more to help uh, bridge the gap between the two regions. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we have a massively vibrant next gen program in our Southeast Asia team. Mm-hmm. Um, people come; they fly from all different parts of the region to come to events and meet with other next gen. Mm. You know, we really massively value mm. those opportunities to be in a closed door environment, but to talk to people um, who have shared experiences. Um, so, yeah, very, very, very interesting. Mm. Um, and I think that I think that when you look at the fact that. Vietnam over the next 20 years is probably going to be the fastest growing economy. Indonesia by 2050 um, is reckoned to be probably the fourth largest economy in the world. You know, there's a huge, huge amount of opportunity in the region. But as it stands now, more of the businesses are family businesses than any other sort. Uh And therefore, um, you know, we have a role to play, I believe, in, in helping them survive. It yeah. would be good for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the appetite for learning is, and I may be wrong, it is not necessarily something you see as much in, in the UK because, firstly, I think we tend to think we know a lot more than <laughs> perhaps we do. I might yeah. be rude there, but um, that, that appetite can only be a good thing, can't yeah, it? totally. And I think that I think that you're really seeing the large education establishments respond. I think there was a, a term, or it must have probably been a term, but a period last year where within within the space of a week, I noticed five of the big um, Western universities mm. um, having stuff on Twitter about new family business courses that they're running. Mm. Um, actually, um, that's growing, and it's growing really rapidly, right. even within the UK, much mm. more focused on entrepreneurship and family business. But, but, you know, we're building an MBA generation. So this is a generation who expect to, to be educated uh-huh. about business. They don't want to only learn it from, from their predecessors. They want, to, they want to learn the theory behind it. The same applies with the family business piece. So if you look at places like INSEAD, Kellogg's, Harvard, you know, they, they absolutely um, are, are responding to that desire. Mm. Uh, I think it will be a really interesting, um, really interesting time. Yeah, fantastic exciting place to be absolutely great well um again thank you very much um, for your um time uh, where can people find out more about you i know you're um, very active on twitter i am um, so um i tweet and i linkedin um those of you that follow me know that i tend to do it on the train in the morning and the evening uh-huh. so um my my twitter feed is at sean Steele with an e on the end 
um, look me up on LinkedIn or find me on the PwC web uh, website, pwc.com. Um, if you go into the industries, family business, all of the information that we have on the sector, um, you'll find there. Yeah, and that's where people can find the uh, survey results Absolutely. and download those. And there's some videos on those. There well, are. There's some videos. There's the survey. And actually, if you click through the sections on the survey, you can put your own answers in and see how you compare. Oh, so there's some interactive pieces that are really interesting. Excellent. We will be doing a piece of next-gen research um, at the end of this year running into mm -hmm. next year so there'll be more to hear on that Brilliant. so um, hopefully we can come back and talk to you again then definitely sounds great thanks Russell thank you that's it for this week we hope you enjoyed the show if you'd like to leave us a review please feel free to do so on iTunes or if you want to get in touch you can find out more information at www.fanbizpodcast.com we'll see you again soon